Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. What's a uh, rude moment in your life that you remember vividly? I'm going to tell you one of my most vivid memories. I had uh, just entered the workforce out of college. And we had moved to the island of Guam where I was serving as the uh, assistant communication director for the Guam Micronesia Mission. And part of me taking this position was that my boss, who was the communication director and also the superintendent of education for the Guam Micronesia Mission, because there you had to have multiple hats, um, he said, man, I'm so excited to have somebody who's a public relations trained person coming in. You're interested in doing media relations. I'd love to have you do that. And that's what I was really interested in doing. And so great. I thought this is perfect. I'm, you know, entry level and I'm going to get to get my hands in and really do media relations, which was really my passion. I was going to have to do some publication design, which is not my passion. But, you know, you do what you have to do to do what you, what you want to get to, especially when you're beginning. So I was super excited. I remember getting there about two or three weeks in. My boss was off island. He was in the United States, and I got a phone call from the Pacific Daily News. So excited. They called up and said, hey, we've, we've, we're doing a story that some unexploded World War II ordinance was found on one of the church properties on Guam, and we just wanted to get your comment on that. Now, I know that sounds like a big deal here. It's not a big deal there. Guam was a major battlefield during World War II, and so to find unexploded ordnance is not uncommon whatsoever. You have not done something wrong if there's uh, explosives found on your property on Guam. It's, it's, uh, especially if it's that World War II ordinance, it's just, it happens. So I'm thinking, this is fantastic, easy, you know, this is a softball kind of PR type of thing. You know, you just say, we're so grateful to the Navy explosive ordnance disposal team that came out and disposed of that uh, safely. And we're grateful for our church members who identified it quickly and made the right phone call. The safety of our members matters. And we're just grateful that this, uh, this all went well. Easy. I mean, super easy. So I'm excited. Only problem is my boss, the communication director, is off, off island. And I know I have to get authorization before I can speak to the press. So my boss reports directly to the president of the Guam Micronesia Mission, a very nice man from the island of Palau. And so I think I'm going to walk down to the president's office and get some authorization. So I do. I knock on the door. 
And he looks up at me, and that should have been my kind of my first clue, because it was kind of, he gave me the look of, what are you doing here? But I'm here bearing good tidings. I am about to go ahead and create some relationships with the local news media, who will be grateful that I gave them a quote to fill out their column length. They're going to love me for this. This is great. So he looks up at me quizzically. He does not say, come in, but I come in, because I know he wants me to come in. And, uh, and I say to him, uh, sir, um, we've got a call from the Pacific Daily News. Explained to him what was going on. And before I could get to my genius prepared statement, he said, you will not call them back. Now, you have to understand in public relations world, that's a no-no. You always call the media back. Even if you're going to say, we've got nothing to say, but it's just it's a courtesy because a reporter will wait, hoping to get a comment, and it puts them up to deadline, and it makes them very grouchy when you don't call them back, especially if you've indicated you would. So I said to him, sir, um, I mean, I need to at least call them back and say that we're not going to comment. But really, this is a great opportunity for me to make a relationship, and I can, it's really, and now that he, I can see the temperature, he's, you will not call them back. And I said, but, but sir, get out. Okay. I want you to hold on to that story. I want you to put it off to the side. We're going to come back to it. Okay? All right. We've talked about, <laughs> we've talked about love is. We've been talking about that love is patient and kind. We've talked that love is not jealous or boastful or arrogant. And today we're moving on. That was all of 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Today we're moving on to 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5. And the first phrase in there is what we're going to be talking about today. Now, I want you to know that different translations of the Bible translate the Greek words that are used here differently. And so I want to talk about that for a minute. Um, the, uh, the, The King James Version and Young's literal translation translate it this way. Love doth not act unseemly. Okay. The New International Version says, love does not dishonor others. The New American Standard Bible says, love does not act disgracefully. And then some of our more modern translations, the New Living Translation, the Contemporary English Version, and the New King James Version translate it this way. Love is not rude. And this is the one that I'm going to go with, and I'm going to kind of explain to you a little bit why I want to go with that particular word. The reason I'm going to go with that particular word is because I really think it conveys what Paul was trying to explain to us with the word that he used in his language in his time. So what does it mean to be rude? Now, I've got to tell you, I do not quote Wikipedia very often, but in this particular case, they did the best job that I came across in defining what rudeness is. Rudeness is a display of disrespect by not complying with the social norms or etiquette of a group or culture. These norms have been established as the essential boundaries of normal, accepted behavior. You following along here? Is it possible for me to be unintentionally rude? Absolutely. 
This is why this is such an important topic at Whole Life Church. I want you to understand that within when you get a lot of people from different cultures and backgrounds and you put them into one space, people get offended really quick. And it's not necessarily because people are trying to be offensive to each other. It's because we don't understand the social norms or etiquette of the group that that person is in. And I'm going to make the case to you today that Paul very specifically uses this word because this is exactly what he's talking about. That love actually cares about the societal norms, not simply about being right. See how this could apply to Christians a little bit more than we'd like to think? Sometimes as Christians, we have this idea that as long as we're speaking the truth, it's not my fault if you're offended. Yeah, now it's getting close to home, ain't it? So why am I making this case? I want to tell you that this word that Paul used is only used in one other place in the New Testament. Only one other place is it used. And it's used in the same book of the Bible, 1 Corinthians. So what we know is that when Paul uses this word in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5, and then he uses it before that in 1 Corinthians seven thirty six, we can get an idea of what he's really trying to say. Paul had a little hobby horse. He thought everybody ought to stay single for their entire life. That's what he thought was best. So teens, pay attention, okay? Stay single for life. That's Paul's, you know. But, but... <laughs> popular advice, uh, then and now. Um, (laughs) Fathers like it. Mothers like it. Children, not so much. All right. But Paul really, Paul, Paul liked to make the case that being single was the best way to go if you could. And so in the midst of this discussion that he's having in 1 Corinthians 7, though, he puts this verse And I'm quoting from the New American Standard Bible because I think it really quotes, it it gets the essence. If you look at some of the more contemporary versions of the Bible, they actually are doing more commentary than they are translation to this. And I'll explain that in a minute. Paul says, but if anyone thinks he is acting dishonorably toward his virgin, if she has passed her youth, and it ought to be so, let him do what he wishes. He is not sinning. Let them marry. So, in theological circles, this is a fun one to debate. Who is the he that's being discussed here? There are two major schools of thought. One is that it's dad. If dad thinks he's acting dishonorable toward his daughter because she's getting up in age, and he thinks it's what's best for her in the society that they're living in, it's not a sin for him to allow his daughter to marry. That's one school of thought. The other school of thought is this is uh, somebody who is dating somebody. So it's a man who's maybe a fiance or dating a woman. And if he gets to a place where he's dating this woman and it becomes obvious that in the society he's living in, he's not really treating her respectfully by not marrying her. Then he ought to go ahead and do what's right in the eyes of society and her, not be rude, and marry her. And he's not sinning to do so. 
Do you follow how it doesn't really matter which way you want to translate it. You can, whichever camp you want to fall into. And if you read the contemporary versions, you'll see that most people fall into the fiancé. In fact, that's how it's translated in the New Living Translation. It says, if anyone thinks he's acting dishonorably toward his fiancé, because she's getting to a certain age, let him do it. Because in those times and those places, if a woman didn't get married, that could cause some serious hardship for her. But you follow what's going on here. Paul's basically saying if the society that you're living in feels like what you're doing is, is rude and your fiancé feels by the values and norms of the society that she's living in that you're not doing right by her, you need to go ahead and marry her. You need to do what's right. And then he uses the same, it's that he's acting dishonorably. That's the word that, that's used again in 1 Corinthians 13, 5. Love does not act dishonorably or rudely. You following along with me here? This has a lot to do with culture and society around us. And, and so this really, really, truly matters. Let me go ahead and give you an example from Jesus, because Jesus is always the best example that we can use. You can look this text up for yourself just to make sure that I'm not taking liberties with it, if you'd like. It's Matthew 17, verses 24 through 27. I'm going to summarize it very quickly for you. Peter gets approached by the religious authorities, and they say to him, hey, does your, uh, does your rabbi pay temple tax? And Peter goes, of course he does. He's a good Jew. And then he goes back in, and, and Jesus pulls him aside and says, hey, Peter, Do the citizens of a country pay taxes or the countries that are conquered by the country pay taxes? Because in those times, if you were a citizen, you didn't pay the taxes. But if you were a conquered country, you paid heavy taxes. And Peter goes, well, of course, it's the, the people of the conquered country that, that pay taxes, not the, not the citizens. And Jesus goes, yeah, that's why I don't have to pay taxes. I'm the son of God. I kind of created this whole system. I don't have to pay taxes. And then Jesus says something very instructive. He says, but so that we don't cause offense. And he sends Peter to go fishing, gets the temple tax out of a fish's mouth, pays the tax for both himself and Jesus. Jesus was under no obligation to pay that tax. But Jesus did not want to cause unnecessary offense. It would have been rude. It would have appeared rude. And out of what a good person would do for Jesus not to pay that. Jesus wanted Peter to understand he wasn't under any obligation to do it. But to not cause offense, he would do it. Following along? This is a hard one, folks, because there's a lot of times in life when we know we're right and that we are not under an obligation to do something. But love asks us, does that matter? And the answer is, it only matters in the context of relationship. Love demands that we build up relationship and do nothing within our power to do nothing to tear it apart. Love cares about relationship. I want to use another example from Paul that will help us talk about some of the things that happen in society. 
1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 24, Paul is having a discussion on eating meat that has been offered to idols. Before this, Paul has made it very clear that it's not appropriate for a Christian to go to an idol's temple and eat in that temple food that's been sacrificed to the idol. Why? Because it's an obvious sign in that society and culture that you're worshiping that idol, that you're giving it credit and you're giving it honor. So Paul says you can't do that. However, he then starts this discussion. Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. So you may eat any meat that is sold in the marketplace without raising questions of conscience. Why is he saying this? Well, because what would happen is the the sacrifices that were made in these pagan temples They would take a portion of it and they would eat it there, but then they would take it and sell it at the market to make money for the temple. And so this was meat that had been sacrificed and blessed by an idol. But Paul says, you can still eat that. You can still eat that. You can eat any meat that's sold in the marketplace without raising questions of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. In other words, he said, we know that this meat is God's. It's, it's not the idol. The idol's not real. We know that. So it doesn't really matter if that happened. And then he goes on and says this, and this is important too. If someone who isn't a believer asks you home for dinner, accept the invitation if you want to. Okay, this is super important. There's, there is so many times that Christians are told, oh, you know, don't mingle with, you know, people that are you know, not believers or who are bad influences or whatever. That's not Paul's example, and that's not Christ's example. Paul says, if you want to, go. There's nothing wrong with doing that. Eat whatever is offered to you without raising questions of conscience. Why is he saying this? Well, because if a good Jew, for some reason, found himself at dinner in the home of somebody who wasn't a Jew— they would actually question the host to be sure that the meat hadn't been offered to an idol. So let me, let me, let's, let's get this straight now. Just, just so I, and they would like, you can imagine that might be a little bit offensive. And Paul says, if they put it in front of you, just eat it. Don't question them about whether it was put in front of an idol or not. But then he says, but suppose someone tells you this meat was offered to an idol. Don't eat it out of consideration for the conscience of the one who told you. In other words, if somebody says, hey, this meat's been offered to an idol, it's because they know that that might be offensive to you or not part of your belief. And now if you eat that meat, you're acknowledging that idol. And that's the way they would see it in their culture, in their place. Are you? No, you're not, because you know that idol's not real. But for them... Suddenly, you're acknowledging that. Suddenly, you're, you're doing something that they know is outside of your belief set or they think is outside of your belief set. It might not be a matter of conscience for you, but it is for the other person. And then what I want you to understand is this, this is a rhetorical question, and Paul is actually being facetious here. And this is what a lot of us... For why should my freedom be limited by some, what else someone else thinks? That's what we often, why should I have to give up my freedom because of something that you think? If I can thank God for the food and enjoy it, why should I be condemned for eating it? 
And I think that this word that's so here is actually better translated, but. But whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And what is the glory of God? Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. I too try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what's best for me. I do what is best for others that many may be saved. You following along here? Why should my freedom be limited? So that somebody else can know Jesus. So that I don't break down a relationship that shouldn't be broken down. Let's go back to that story that I told at the beginning. For a lot of Western years, when I tell that story, the rude person in that story is the president of the, of the Guam Micronesian mission. But for those who come from other cultures, they understand that I was the rude one. I'm the rude person in that story. See, I didn't give a second thought to the culture that my president came from. My president, in Palau, there is a very important societal system. On the islands of Palau, there is a high chief that's over everything. And then he has sub-chiefs underneath him, and then there are people below that. A person below, the only person who's supposed to have contact with the high chief is one of the sub-chiefs. And if you need something when you're one of the lower people, you go to your sub-chief, talk to him, and then he goes and advocates on your behalf to the chief. And so for me in the position I was in as a brand new entry-level person there, it was completely and utterly rude for me to go knock on his door and try to talk to him. You can say, whoa, 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 but that's, there's nothing rude about it was to him. And then I compounded matters by arguing with him. Like, not only did I, was I not supposed to be there, but then I actually had the audacity. The only way I can explain it is that if, um, the only way I can explain it is that if you're the CEO of a big company and your entry-level mail worker walks into your office and says, hey, you're doing things dumb and spits on you, that's what I did to this man. That's what I did to him. I was completely and utterly rude. Did I know I was doing that? I didn't. Did it matter? No, it didn't because it offended him in a big way. And it damaged our relationship. But I got really entrenched in how rude he was to me. How could this man be so rude to me? And it wasn't until several years later when I was actually beginning to understand the culture that I was living in that I realized just how rude I had been to that man and how much I owed him an apology. So how do we deal with people who are rude? The first thing is that we go back to the beginning of 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, and talking about love. We're kind to them. We often need to stop and think about this. Why is it that this person is being rude to me? I think that if we often really reflect on it, we'll find that a lot of times when people are rude to us, it's because of something they perceive that we're doing to them. Is it fair? A lot of the time it's not. But does it matter? It doesn't, according to, to Paul. What matters is to be loving. Now, what I also want to tell you is it's, it's okay to kindly point out a rudeness that's being done to you. 
It's okay to say, hey, you really hurt my feelings. You really offended me by saying this. And to have a discussion. What happens if they don't want to listen to you? You move on. And you're still kind to them. But what Paul would tell you is that it is never okay to return rudeness for rudeness. Love is not rude. And today what I really want you to stop and think about is this. We know that we're being rude at times because we get tired or we're frustrated or life isn't going our way. But are we also tuned into the nuances of the people around us? Are we paying attention and watching their cues that they're giving us about how they're receiving what we're giving? What do we do when our religious beliefs are in direct conflict with the norms of society? I'm not suggesting that we go away from what the Bible says, but what I am suggesting is that we're kind about it. You know, the whole turn or burn rhetoric, well, you're going to hell if you're doing that. I've warned you. That's rude. And that's not what Christ or Paul suggests love looks like. Love explains, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. I know we don't see eye to eye, but the, and I'm not trying to be rude to you, but I'm trying to follow my religious convictions. And when it doesn't violate a religious conviction, we are to go ahead and go ahead and go with the societal norms around us and to care about those around us, to care about being relationship with each other. Can you imagine a world where everyone cared about the feelings of others? Where we went out of our way to not give offense to anyone? You know, that's the world that Jesus will one day recreate. But in the meantime, Jesus asked his followers to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. All right, so... All right. Um, Our first question is from Kathleen, and um, she asks, where to go? Here we go. Um, Some people say things that um, maybe soften the blow, like, bless your heart, and then they say something (laughs) rude after it. (laughs) What are your thoughts on that? Is that just, is that rude or is it just cultural? I know, I know, I know know in the South that, 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 that bless your heart is like a papal forgiveness or something, but um, it isn't. Um, Saying bless your heart, like you said, is usually the trigger for, hey, somebody's going to say something that's going to hurt my feelings. Or they said something rude about somebody else and we're trying to cover it up. And let me, I mean, hey, I grew up in the South, so I've said it more (laughs) more than my fair share of times. But I think that if we really want to bless other people's hearts, we say kind things. Mm-hmm. Uh, also along those lines, um, I saw a meme once that was, um, someone was saying, I'm not racist, but, and then it was just someone going, shh, just stop, just stop after, don't say anything after that phrase. I'm, I'm not racist, the but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gotta, <laughs> just, yeah. just stop right there. Um, excellent, okay. excellent advice. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, this one is kind of a, a comment and, and a long one. So it's from Serena. Uh, she says, uh, so I have family members that are Hindu. They offer fruits to what I would call um, are their gods or idols during their service. 
Uh, they're my family, so sometimes when they invite me to go with them, uh, I go, just as I would go with someone who invited me to um, a different church or a Buddhist church or any church. I always ask God to help me to um, reflect them. Um, are you saying that I cannot eat the fruit if, uh, if it offended someone? Our salvation is an individual. I can't save anyone. I can only be a good example of kindness and love. So, yeah. I think that's such a great question to ask and not being familiar with the culture that, that you're asking it from. Um, I, I want to be careful how I answer it because the answer is if, you're, if your relatives are getting the idea that you're worshiping the idols that they are, then that would be a problem. If your relatives understand that you're not worshiping their idols, then, that, then there's not a problem there. That, but... Um, what we want to do is, again, always draw people towards Jesus, not away from him. And so I don't understand all the culture that you're talking about there, but what I would encourage, what I love that I'm hearing is that you're having a relationship with these people, that they feel loved and cared about by you. That's so important. Um, at the same time, we don't ever want to do anything that would deny Jesus, that would say that we aren't a follower of Christ. And so it sounds like uh, you're very wise, and I know that you'll be doing what, what God is encouraging you to do in your life. Yeah, it, that's one of the harder ones because you're like, well, I have my beliefs, but what's more important is relationships, it seems. is that Would that be true? It's such a delicate balance. But yes, relationship is, is such an important part of the walk with Christ, relationship with him, relationship with others. And being honest and true to what God's asking us to do has a very important role in our life. But it, we've got to be careful that in doing that, we don't bring offense that pushes people away from God and that makes them not want to have a relationship with him. Very good. Well, we, oh man, we're out of time. Okay. I'm looking at the clock. I was had, I have one more question, but, um, Second Maybe, service? Second service. You guys come second back service. for second service. Or just come back. Whatever. Just you know, go to lunch, come back, whatever. Um, It'll be worth it for that one brunch. question. That one question is that good. It is so good. Or tune into the podcast. So good. Yeah. Okay. But yes, podcast. So you, we do answer these questions. They do get answered. So even if you're in Sabbath school or later today, you're like, you know what? I need to ask a question about, the, uh, about this sermon. Feel free to still submit it, and we try to get to it in the podcast. We always get to it in the podcast, actually. And it's called This Is Whole Life, and it's available absolutely everywhere that podcasts are heard. So check that out. Thank you. Thank you, Stanley. I love you, family. Yeah, I do. Go out there and love your world this week, okay? Take the love you've got in here. And go love somebody into a lifelong relationship with Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you about for meeting us where we're at. Thank you that you have never been rude to us, but you've showed unfailing love. May we do the same. We pray in your name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church in our podcasts, Speaking of Grace, and its companion, 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. 
Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians. All focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church slash podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening, and have a great week. 